check out the pictures in the text. And many kept mocking Jesus, saying, You who destroy and rebuild the temple in three days, save yourself. Get off the cross if you are the Son of God. He saved others, but he's not able to save himself. And he's the King of Israel. Get off the cross now, and we will believe in you. He trusted God. May God save you now if you have compassion on him because he said, I am the Son of God. Matthew 27 to 40 43. There was darkness on the earth from noon to 3 p.m. Around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried out loud, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. It means, my God. Oh, my God, why did you abandon me? When those who were there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran in search of a sponge, soaked it in vinegar, put it on the tip of a rod, and gave it to Jesus to drink. But the other said, leave him. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. After shouting aloud, it's finished, Jesus gave up the spirit. At that moment, the veil of the sanctuary was torn into two parts, from top to bottom. The earth shook, and the rocks broke. The tombs opened, and the bodies of many saints who had died were resurrected. And, coming out of the tombs, after Jesus' resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many people. Note. The veil of the sanctuary was the one that covered the room where the Ark of the Covenant was in the temple. This was the holiest place in the temple, where only the high priest had access to and could enter God's presence to offer the Holocaust and ask for forgiveness for his sins and the people of Israel. It has a great meaning because it put an end to the scene offerings with the sacrifice of Jesus as a perfect lamb before the bridge that linked us to God was the high priest who interceded for the people. Now Jesus is the bridge for us to approach God. Many books written in the first century, besides the Bible, that claim that Jesus rose again and ascended to heaven. In Numbers chapter 4, 3, it says that a man must be at least 30 years old to occupy the position of priest. Interestingly, it is the age of Jesus when he began his ministry. When Jesus cried out on the cross, he did not doubt God. He was expressing the pain of separation that sin causes. The Father abandoned him because Jesus Christ was made sin at that moment, and sin means separation from God. The Bible says that God is so holy that his eyes cannot look upon unrighteousness. Habakkuk 1.13 The Son was abandoned by the Father at this moment so that the redeemed can have communion with God for all eternity. The only place the Father was not present was at the cross. For at that moment Jesus was 100% human because he had to die to pay for our sins, and because he absorbed in his body all the sins of humankind. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1 14. Note. The expression it is finished in Greek is tetelestai. During Jesus' time, people also had a criminal record which was used for those who had debts or had committed a crime. When a person paid their debt to justice, the judge would cross out all accusations on the record and write at the end tetelestai, meaning debt paid. In other words, Jesus paid our eternal debt on that cross. Of all the disciples, the only one who stayed with Jesus until the end was John, along with Mary Magdalene, the mother of Jesus and his sister. 
Later a merchant named Arimathea asked Pilate for Jesus' body to bury it in a new tomb, and they closed it with a big stone. John 19. 40 Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it, with the spices, in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. 41 At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid. 42 Because it was the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Another proof that Jesus was buried near where he was crucified, outside the city and not inside as they claim. Check out the pictures in the text. The next day was a Sabbath day. The chief priests went to Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that while Jesus was still alive, that imposter said, After three days, I will rise again. You should command that his tomb be watched until the third day so that his disciples do not come, stealing his body, and tell the people that he has risen from the dead. This last mistake would be worse than the first. Pilate had the stone sealed and placed soldiers to guard the tomb. On Sunday, Mary Magdalene and James's mother went to see the tomb, and an earthquake occurred. And the angel of God came, and the stone had been removed from the entrance of the tomb. The soldiers were no longer there, and the tomb seemed empty. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was killed on the stake. He's not here because he's risen. On the way to tell the other disciples, they saw Jesus and bowed themselves at their feet. John 20, 6-7. 6 Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. 7 As well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. When Peter and John entered the tomb, they saw the cloth that had been on Jesus' head folded. Do you know what this means? To understand, let's analyze Jewish traditions. This relates to the servant and his master. When the master was eating, he would take the cloth and wipe his beard, fingers, and mouth. If he threw the cloth on the table, it meant he was finished, and the servant could clear the table. Now, if he folded the cloth, the servant was by no means allowed to touch the table because this gesture meant he would come back. Jesus conveyed the same message when he left the cloth folded, indicating that he was not finished and that he would return. Religious leaders bribed the soldiers who saw the angel open the tomb to lie that they fell asleep while the disciples stole the body. The disciples were hiding from the religious leaders when Jesus suddenly appeared to them. He said, Peace be with you, they were frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Jesus showed his hands and feet and said, Why are you afflicted and why do doubts arise in your heart? Look at my hands and feet, it is myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit has neither flesh nor bones as you see I have. At that moment, Thomas was not present, so when they told them what they saw, he did not believe. Days later, Jesus returned, and Thomas was present. He said, put your finger here and see my hands. Extend your hand and put it on my side. Stop doubting and believe it. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. John 20 29 Note People want a God to worship, so they worship statues and images. The only living God repudiates any kind of idolatry. He punished his own people for building a golden calf and claimed it was him. The true living God is not to be seen in photos, paintings, statues, etc but he is to be felt in the heart through faith. And that's why Jesus said that to Thomas. Many people think it's okay to have a picture of Jesus, 
a rosary, or even a statue of him or saints, but this is also considered idolatry. Jesus has to be only in our hearts. Otherwise, it will be considered idolatry. Besides the apostles, there were about 500 disciples who walked with Jesus after the resurrection, and before ascending to heaven, Jesus taught for about 40 days. Jesus approached them and said, I was given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have ordered you, and I will always be with you until the end of times. Matthew 28-18-20 Do not leave Jerusalem, but keep waiting for what the Father promised, as I told you, for John really baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit within a few days. Acts 1-4-5 They were with Jesus on the Mount of Olives when he ascended to heaven, a cloud covered him, and the disciples could no longer see him. The apostles returned to Jerusalem, and on the day of the Jewish festival of Pentecost, the disciples got together in a room and began to pray, suddenly a sound came from heaven, like a powerful wind, and everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. Note This was the day of the harvest festival, an agricultural celebration when the Greeks took control by imposing their own language. This festival was called Pentecost. It's the 50th day after Easter, Passover considered by Christians as the day of Pentecost and the day of the descent of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God on the Apostles. Such an experience is called baptism in the Holy Spirit. This means if you baptize yourself in the waters and cleanse yourself from sins, the second baptism is the Holy Spirit. Gary Habermas lists 39 ancient sources for Jesus, not biblical, from which he enumerates more than 100 reported facts about his life, teaching, crucifixion and resurrection. Also the atheist Gerd Ludmann from Germany, says Jesus' crucifixion, is indisputable. As the agnostic historian Bart Ehrman says, Jesus did exist whether we like or not. Here are a few examples. Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian allied with the Romans, around 37 ad 100 ad also made mention of Jesus, including his resurrection. Tacitus, the Roman historian, when describing the fire of Rome in AD 64, mentions the name of Christ in his work, Annals, written around AD 116. He discusses the persecution of Christians during the reign of Nero. Suetonius, another Roman historian, around AD 120, presented two historical records commissioned by Rome, one about the life of Claudius and another about the life of Nero. In both, he refers to Christ and the disturbances caused by the followers of Jesus. These historical references, outside of biblical texts, provide important testimony regarding the existence of Jesus and the influence of Christianity in the early centuries. The Dead Sea Scrolls, also known as the Qumran Caves Scrolls, constitute a collection of ancient manuscripts discovered over a 10-year period, spanning from 1946 to 1956, at the Qumran Caves dating from the 3rd century BC to the 1st century AD, the Dead Sea Scrolls hold immense historical, religious, and linguistic significance. As they contain the oldest surviving manuscripts of entire books later included in the biblical canons, the dating of these scrolls was conducted by experienced scientists using the carbon-14 technique, revealing that 95% of the texts were identical, with the remaining 5% exhibiting minor variations in writing. 
Therefore, it has been scientifically established that the texts we have today have not undergone corruption, despite being copied by hand over centuries. This evidence asserts that the Bible, whether or not one believes it to be the Word of God, has remained unchanged throughout its history, as supported by scientific analysis. Did you know that we are not children of God? The Bible is very clear that all people are creations of God. We become children of God when we accept His only Son who is Jesus Christ as Savior, only then are we adopted by God and become heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. John 1 12, 12 Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Ephesians 1-5, 5 He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will. Everyone wonders when Jesus will return, but what many do not know is why He will return, two-thirds of the gospel was preached in Galilee. Jesus was Jewish, but he was also Galilean, and so were his disciples, just as we have our culture, our traditions, our slang, so did the people of Galilee, so Jesus spoke as these people understood it. Marriage was celebrated differently in Galilee than other peoples in the region, marriages were arranged. But when the engagement took place, everyone went to the main gate of the city, because they needed witnesses, and the father of the groom read all the conditions of the wedding, so that later no one could say they did not know. After the end of the reading the groom filled the glass with wine and handed it to the bride, at that moment the bride had the power of decision, she could accept or refuse the glass, but if she refused the glass it meant that she also refused the groom, if she accepted the glass, she accepted the bridegroom. So the bridegroom also drank the wine, and he spoke aloud so that all could hear, you are now consecrated to me according to the laws of Moses, and I will not drink this wine until we can drink together in my father's house. When Jesus celebrated the Last Supper, he offered his disciples the glass of wine that stands for the New Covenant, at that moment all who accepted it became engaged with Jesus, he offered the bread that stands for his body and that signifies communion with him, that is, they became one from the moment they accepted Jesus. When Jesus drank wine, he repeated the same words, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until we can drink together in my father's house. At that moment, the only word that came to the disciples' minds was automatically marriage. After the signing of the betrothal certificate, everyone went to his corner, the groom returned to his father's house and began the construction of a room to be attached to his father's house. The construction of this room would take about a year to be built, while the bride and bridesmaids prepared for the wedding, that is, they had to wait for the traveling cashiers with the fabrics, laces, etc., they had to prepare the wedding dress and the trousseau. However the most unusual thing was that neither the groom nor the bride knew the day and time of the wedding, but only the groom's father, so when the room and the party were ready, the groom said. Father, now I want my fiancé, and it was the father who set the day and time when his son would pick up the bride. And the bride had to be ready, because if she was not ready, she would lose her own marriage. When the disciples asked him when he would return, Jesus clarified that only the heavenly father knew the day and time. The only person who could send Jesus back to earth was his father. Then the father of the bridegroom tells his son to fetch his bride, and he blows the shofar to warn the whole town, including his fiancée, that after a year of preparation they will be reunited to be one forever. Then the bride mounts the palanquin, and the bearers carry her to the house of the father of the bridegroom, in those days it was called, flying the bride. When the bride arrives at her father's house with her fiancée, all who heard the shofar and were prepared for it celebrate the wedding feast with the bride and groom for several days, and then the door was closed, no one could enter or leave for seven days. This means that when the door is closed, 
All those who were not prepared to the rapture will stay behind and face the wrath of God during the seven years of the Great Tribulation, which will not be easy. Because the Spirit of God will leave the earth, so imagine what will become of the world if it is already bad today with the Spirit of God, imagine without the Spirit of God, evil will take over the world. There are many pastors today who no longer preach about the second coming of Jesus, they preach the gospel to prepare the church for life on earth. This is due to the fact that many people have given dates for the second coming of Jesus, but how can these people give dates when not even Jesus knows the day of his second coming, only the Father knows. And when you give a date, you frustrate people, and then you say Jesus will return on such a day, and then he does not come back, and then the person put all the expectations on that date, and then he did not come back, and then people stop believing that Jesus will come back. Jesus will not return until the Bible is fulfilled on earth. Until all the prophecies are fulfilled one by one, until the end, he will not return, because if he returns before these prophecies are fulfilled, it means that the Bible is a lie, that the word of God is a lie. There are about 2,500 prophecies, of which 2,000 have already been fulfilled, and the rest have already begun to be fulfilled in our generation. So what we need to do is observe the signs. Jesus left a gigantic list of events that would happen when his return was approaching, and this list of events are already happening. When Adam and Eve rebelled, humans were separated from God through sin. God's holiness required punishment and payment, atonement, for sin, which was, and still is, eternal death. Our own death is not sufficient to cover the payment for sin. Only a perfect, spotless sacrifice, offered in just the right way, can pay for our sin. Jesus Christ, the perfect God-man, came to die on the cross, to offer the pure, complete and everlasting sacrifice to remove, atone, and make eternal payment for sin. Why? Because God loves us and desires an intimate friendship with us. God's plan of salvation has one goal, to connect God with his redeemed ones in the closest of relationships. The Lord of heaven and earth wants to walk with us, talk with us, comfort us and be with us through every experience of life. We need salvation to discover our true potential and purpose in life. Receiving salvation through Jesus Christ has nothing to do with works or goodness. Eternal life in heaven comes through God's gift of grace. We receive it through faith in Jesus, and not as a result of our performance. Romans 10-9 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hebrews 7. 11-28 11 If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still a need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? 12 For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. 13 He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. 14 For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe Moses said nothing about priests. 15 And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears. 16 One who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. 17 For it is declared, you are a priest forever, in the order of Melchizedek. 18 The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. 19 For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced, by which we draw near to God. 20 And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath. 21 But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. 
Quote, 22 Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. 23 Now there have been many of those priests, since death prevented them from continuing in office. 24 But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. 25 Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. 26 Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. 27 Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. 28 For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath, which came after the law, appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. Note. Year after year, the governments were improving, changing, and making new laws, so God did when he sent Jesus. He had a covenant with the people of Israel, and he decided to expand and improve his laws so everyone could approach him and obtain salvation through Jesus. The Jews continue to serve God, but they refuse to accept that Jesus is the Messiah because they claim that he did not fulfill three things related to the prophecies, the reconstruction of the third temple, world peace, and the world recognition that God is unique and will reign forever, although Jesus fulfilled all the other prophecies. However, these three things will be fulfilled in Jesus' second coming when the real Christians inherit the kingdom of heaven, there will be the third temple, there will be no more sadness, hatred, oppression, diseases, peace will reign, and God will be recognized by the world. When the Antichrist comes, he will rebuild the third temple in Israel and promote false world peace, and many people will believe in him. The name Yeshua is a term of Hebrew origin that means to save, or salvation. It is a shortened form of Yehoshua, which is the Hebrew name for Jesus. Yeshua Hamashiach, transliterated into Greek, becomes Iesus Christos, and in English, it is Jesus, the Christ, or Messiah, both terms translating to, the Anointed One. The name of God cannot be pronounced because it is a tetragram with only four consonant letters, Y-H-W-H. Some scholars have vocalized it and used the word Yahweh, which means, I am who I am. In Judaism, there are various names that refer to God, such as Adonai, the Sovereign God. Elohim, God Creator, Mighty, and Strong, El Shaddai, God Almighty, or, the Mighty One of Jacob, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner, Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. The cross is a Christian symbol, but do you know how to use it? The cross represents God's love for us, because he condemned his son Jesus, so that we can obtain forgiveness and redemption. So when we decide to use the symbol of the cross, our intention should be to share the message of the gospel with the people around us. The cross cannot be used as an amulet, because if you place your faith in this object, it becomes idolatry. The cross should also not be used with Jesus nailed to it for two reasons. The first reason is that God has forbidden us to make any kind of sculpture. Therefore, if you nail Jesus to the cross, that is also idolatry. The second reason is that Jesus nailed to the cross could mean that death was his final stage, which is not true, because Jesus rose on the third day and the cross was empty and so we should use the symbol of the cross, simply an empty cross. Let's learn more about the history of the Roman Empire, 
it is connected with the Bible and the history of Jesus and his disciples. Emperor Tiberius was not a popular emperor. However, Germanicus was a popular and beloved general among the people, highly considered the next emperor, and Caligula's father, Tiberius, wanted his son to be his successor. Suddenly Germanicus was murdered, and his wife began to say that it was Tiberius who killed him, so the emperor exiled the whole family. After a while, Drusus Tiberius' son died without explanation, leaving the empire without a successor. It was then that his general Sejanus offered himself to the throne if he needed to. In AD 27, Tiberius began to become paranoid and decided to go into exile in Capri, and never return to Rome. Sejanus was in charge in Rome. This happened when Pontius Pilate was sent to Judea. In AD 31, Tiberius summoned Caligula to visit Capri, his grandson. Gemellus was too young to take over the empire, so he considered Caligula his successor. Tiberius discovered Sejanus's plot to kill Germanicus and his son Drusus. Sejanus was summoned to a meeting of the Senate, where a letter from Tiberius was read condemning Sejanus and ordering his immediate execution. Macro took place as commander of the guard. In AD 37, Tiberius said he would place Caligula and Gemellus as co-heirs, but one throne would be impossible for two emperors, Caligula killed Tiberius, who was already very sick, and appointed Gemellus as next in the succession row. Shortly before that, Pontius Pilate was removed as governor of Judea because of a massacre he commanded in Samaria near Mount Gerizim. The Samaritans, claiming not to be armed, complained to Lucius Vitellius, the governor of Syria, mandate AD 35-39. He sent Pilate back to Rome to be tried by Tiberius. The emperor, however, had died before his arrival thus succeeded by Marcellus in AD 37. After that, nothing else was known about Pontius Pilate's life. Note. Most Roman emperors were crazy and paranoid because everyone around them longed for power. Many betrayals happened during their reigns, so they could not trust anyone, nor their own family, and many of them died murdered by close people. In AD 37, Caligula was proclaimed emperor by the Senate, his uncle Claudius showed up, and Caligula asked him to find his sisters, Agrippina, who brought her son Nero, Drusilla, and Livia. Seven months later, everything was going well. Suddenly, Caligula fell seriously ill or perhaps was poisoned. He was in bed for three months, and the doctors said he would probably die. So Macro acted quickly and told Gemellus to talk to the Senate and say he was ready to take over as emperor. But at that time, talking about replacing the emperor while he was still alive was considered treason. Caligula recovered, and when he found out that Macro and Gemellus plotted behind his back, he began to become paranoid and had them both killed. Agrippina was very ambitious and wanted to be empress at any cost, so she proposed to her own brother that they have a child together, incest at that time was taboo, but he agreed. Months had passed, and nothing happened, so he went for his other sister Drusilla, but she was married. He didn't care, though, as emperor, he did whatever he wanted, including sleeping with other men's wives and bragging about it. Drusilla then got pregnant, and he began to treat her as a wife until Drusilla became mysteriously ill and died. Caligula became depressed and spent much money on the days of the funeral and the construction of statues and temples for her. Agrippina tried to seduce him again, but he rejected her. Caligula began to be desperate because he did not have an heir, so to secure one, he married a pregnant woman from another man. Her name was Sasonia, but she had a girl. In AD 39, Agrippina wanted to rise in power at any cost. She set up a plan to kill him. 
it was called, The Plot of the Three Daggers, Agrippina, Livula, and Lepidus, Drusilla's former husband. Caligula found out that he killed Lepidus and sent the sisters into exile. Nero went to live with an aunt. The young emperor was diabolical and became dangerous. He began to spend money building temples and statues of himself throughout the empire, dressed like the gods thinking he was one and even proclaimed himself Jupiter. In AD, 40 riots erupted in Alexandria between Jews and Greeks again. Jews were accused of not honoring the emperor. Disputes also occurred in the city of Jamnia. Jews were angered by the erection of a clay altar and destroyed it. In response, Caligula ordered the erection of a statue of himself in the Jewish temple of Jerusalem. The governor of Syria, Publius Petronius, fearing civil war if the order were carried out, delayed implementing it for nearly a year. Agrippa finally persuaded Caligula to reverse the order. Agrippa was king of Judea from AD 41 to 44. He was the grandson of Herod the Great. Because of his extravagances, Rome was on the verge of financial collapse, and the senators did not like it. Caligula knew he had to do something. It was then that he restored the treason trials, went after the wealthiest senators, and took all their fortune. In AD 41, he planned to invade Britain, modern-day England. He needed some military victory. He left Rome with his troops. When he reached the border, it was impossible to cross with the boats and then climb the cliffs, so in order not to be humiliated for returning empty-handed, he chose some soldiers from his own army and took them back as if they were prisoners of war. The Senate could no longer stand Caligula and told Claudius they wanted to return to being a republic without an emperor, they started a plot to kill Caligula. However, they knew they could not even get close to him without going through Cassius, his personal guard, Claudius, spoke to him, and on the day of the murder, they ambushed Caligula, and Cassius killed him, and right away, he swore loyalty to Claudius, who took advantage of the situation to become emperor. Claudius was a good administrator. He got married four times and had two girls and two boys, one son died, and Britannicus was in line for the throne. With the debt of her second husband, Agrippina was rich, and still longing for the throne, she seduced her uncle Claudius, and in the year AD 49 she married him, to put her son Nero as heir to the throne, later Claudio adopted Nero. In the year AD 48 during the reign of Claudio, there was a great famine in Judea and Jerusalem. Acts 11. 27-28. 27 During this time some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. 28 One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. Claudius ordered all Jews to leave Rome, issuing his decree in AD 49, in the ninth year of his reign. As a result of this expulsion order, two Christian Jews, Aquila and Priscilla, left Rome for Corinth, where shortly after their arrival they met with the Apostle Paul. Nero and Octavia Claudius' daughter married in AD 53. The following year, Agrippina poisoned her husband Claudius so Nero could become emperor. In the beginning, she was the one who controlled him and the empire. Nero was 16 years old when he became emperor. He got involved with another woman named Claudia Act. Agrippina realized that she no longer had an influence on her son, and she began to support Britannicus to be the next emperor, but he died poisoned by Nero. In AD 55, Nero was banished from the palace by Agrippina and sent to another residence. Nero repudiated his first wife to marry Claudia. In AD 58, he began a new relationship with Papaea Sabina. His mother was against the marriage, and he could not marry Papaea while his mother was alive, so in AD 59, 
he had her killed, in AD 62, he married Papaea. On the night of July 18, 64, there was a fire that began in a store of flammable products and lasted five days. Many people think it was Nero himself who did it on purpose, to be able to rebuild the city on his way but to ward off rumors, Nero accused the Christians and ordered some of them to be thrown at dogs, while others to be burned alive and crucified. Papaea died in AD 65. Nero got into a deep depression and did not let them bury her. The body was embalmed in the Egyptian manner and entombed. Nero began to become paranoid and insane and started a fight with the Senate, he started to kill all his enemies. In AD 66, a revolt broke out in Judea because of religious tension between Greeks and Jews, called the Great Jewish Revolt. Nero sent Vespasian to control the rebellion, and the Jews refused to pay taxes to Rome. In AD 67, a young man named Spurus remarkably resembled Papaea. Nero had him castrated, married him, and called him Papaea. Paul was the last of the apostles. He did not belong to the group of twelve but was chosen by Christ himself to be the apostle of the Gentiles, non-Jews. His name was Saul, but Jesus changed his name. Paul died beheaded in Rome during Nero's reign. The second letter he wrote to Timothy portrays his final moments before being martyred. Also, at that time, Gaius Julius Vindex, governor of Gallia Lugdunensis, rebelled against Nero's tax policies. He regained military control, but the Senate voted that Galba would be the next emperor and declared Nero, a public enemy. He fled Rome and committed suicide. That same year four emperors ascended the throne, and the legions hailed Vespasian, the emperor under his command. Upon gaining widespread support, he decided to leave his son Titus to finish the war in Judea while he returned to Rome to claim the throne from the usurper Vitellius, who had already deposed Otho. Vespasian reigned for ten years. Luke 21-565 Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, Six is for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone is left on another, every one of them will be thrown down. The western wall is important to the Jews because of what God said in 2 Chronicles 7, 15-16. 15 Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attentive unto the prayer that is made in this place. 16 For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. They pray in this particular part of the wall, because the Holy of Holies were closer to this wall. The whole wall was over 1,600 feet long, and 62 feet height. Today it is 187 feet long. Jews also walk on their backs when they leave the western wall because they say that if the presence of God is there, you cannot turn your back to God. The expression, going up to Jerusalem, which often occurs in the Bible, means that if the house and the presence of God were there in Jerusalem, then it means that you were spiritually going up to the house of God. While the Jews rebelled against the Romans, the Jew Flavius Josephus was part of the rebels. He was the one who wrote many history books from the first century, and he was the leader in defense of the city of Jotapata when the Roman army invaded Galilee in AD 67. After a 47-day sight, the city fell, leaving about 40,000 prisoners who were murdered, while the rest of the resistors committed suicide. Flavius Josephus surrendered to Vespasian, who released him later by observing his intelligence. Titus surrounded Jerusalem in command of three legions and a permanent camp. He cut the city's food and water supply, allowed some Jews to enter to celebrate the Passover, and denied the exit. After Josephus attempted to negotiate a surrender, the Romans quickly destroyed the first part of the wall.
To intimidate the resistance, Titus crucified the Jewish deserters around the walls. The Jews were about to surrender because of hunger, and the Romans took advantage of their weakness to invade the city after breaking the last part of the wall. In AD 70, the Romans penetrated the city, captured the Antonia fortress, and began a frontal assault on the temple. The Romans burned the city to the ground, destroyed the temple, and the city plundered. They also removed all the stones to scrape the gold that melted and dripped between them, just as Jesus prophesied in Matthew chapter 24 verse 2. According to Josephus, 1,100,000 people were murdered during the war, and most of them were Jews. The Temple of Jerusalem's treasures, including the menorah and the table of the bread of God's presence, which had previously only ever been seen by the high priest of the temple, were paraded through the streets of Rome during Titus' triumphal procession, along with some 700 Jewish prisoners who were paraded in chains. Recently, the street that ascended from the Pool of Siloam to the Temple Mount was discovered, and during the excavations in the city of David, ashes were found. They were well preserved because they were within the soil and were moist. Archaeologically, this proves that Jerusalem was burned, once again it proves that the Bible is the word of God. After the Romans' destruction of the Second Temple, the Zealot rebels fled from Jerusalem to Masada. The Romans then built a huge ramp and destroyed the wall. The Jews decided to commit mass suicide to not to be captured and enslaved. Flavius Josephus was well accepted by the Romans, assuming the Roman name of his protector Flavius Vespasian, and received Roman citizenship. He was Jewish and did not convert to Christianity, but he reported in one of his books that Jesus rose on the third day. In AD 79, Titus succeeded his father as emperor of Rome. Note, many people do not know that all the riches and treasures that were stolen from the temple of the Lord were used to construct the Flavius Amphitheater, better known as the Colosseum of Rome. Later, the emperors persecuted the Christians and they were thrown to the lions, just for fun. After a few years, there were two more Jewish revolts against the Romans. The second was when the taxes that the Jews paid for the temple of the Lord that was destroyed ended up in the hands of the Romans. This money was destined for the temple of Jupiter in AD 115 to 117. And the third revolt was after the trip of Emperor Hadrian, between the years AD 130 and 131. Among his plans was the reconstruction of Jerusalem as a Hellenistic city, dissemination of the culture of ancient Greece. A sanctuary dedicated to Capitoline Jupiter would be erect on the Temple Mount. In AD 135, Emperor Hadrian changed the name of Judea to Syria-Palestine, which means land of the Philistines, those who had lived in war with Jews since the Judges. And Jerusalem was renamed Aelia Capitolina, and the Jews were forbidden to enter it. Hadrian erected a temple for the goddess Venus within the city of Jerusalem. Years later, Emperor Constantine's mother claimed that Jesus was crucified and buried at the same place, and then he decided to build the holy tomb. The Roman Emperor Aurelian did succeed in establishing the cult of Saul Invictus as an official religion, alongside the traditional Roman cults. Aurelian also built a new temple for Saul, which was dedicated on AD December 25, 274 and brought the total number of temples for the god in Rome to, at least, four. He also instituted games in honor of the sun god, held every four years from 274 onwards. Constantine was in constant wars. He said he was protected by the god Hercules and later by the undefeated sun god, Tammuz. He was going to battle against Maxentius in 312. 
The night before the battle, he said he had a dream, and he saw a cross, and it was written, with that sign you shall w in the other day. He ordered them to paint a cross on the shields of the soldiers, and he achieved an overwhelming victory over the enemy. At that time, thanks to Jesus' disciples who spread the word of the Lord, Christianity was spreading everywhere, including among the nobles of the court of Rome. Constantine realized that the more Christians were persecuted and killed, the more and more followers emerged. The emperor saw Christianity as a way to give stability to his empire. Obtaining advantages and profits from their support was way more advantageous than causing a war against Christians, as did his predecessors. If you can't beat your enemies, join them. He said his victory was because of the divinity inspiration, but he did not abandon his sun god, he kept the symbol on his coins until 315. It was only in 317 that he gradually began to adopt Christian symbols. That was when he went to the Holy Land and had the Temple of Venus, Aphrodite, replaced by the Holy Tomb. Although it has symbols of the sun on the ground, walls, and ceiling, not only there but in all the Roman Catholic churches that were built, the clothes and accessories of the Pope and the priests also have symbols. He also built churches everywhere in Israel where there was some historical fact about Jesus or his disciples. In 321, he promulgated the law that Sunday would be the day of the Lord and no longer the Sabbath as God said in the Bible because Sunday was the day of the sun god, in the Roman pagan times, dies solis in Latin. Emperors portrayed Saul Invictus on their official coinage, with a wide range of legends, only a few of which incorporated the epithet Invictus, such as the legend, Soli Invicto Committee, claiming the, unconquered son, as a companion to the emperor, used with particular frequency by Constantine. His official coinage continues to bear images of Saul until AD 325, 326, some of them with the legend, Invictus Constantinus. When Christianity and paganism merged, People, brought their statues of the Roman gods and began to rename them as the Apostles of Jesus. On December 25, 274, Emperor Aurelian made official the worship of the sun god, Dies Natalis Solis Invicti, anniversary of the undefeated sun. Because of this merge, all people began to claim that Jesus was the undefeated sun and then Christmas rose. Note. Everyone thinks that Christmas refers to the birth of Christ, but the truth is that it has always been a festival dedicated to the sun god and became more popular in the 18th-19th century because of this popularization. Nowadays Christmas is a holiday that generates much profit and so no one has ever been interested in knowing the true meaning behind it, which is nothing more than a worship cult of the sun god, Tammuz, and has nothing to do with Jesus. 2 Kings chapter 23 verse 55 He did away with the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had appointed to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and in the surrounding area of Jerusalem, also those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to the constellations and to all the host of heaven. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 19-19 And beware not to lift up your eyes to heaven and see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, and be drawn away and worship them and serve them those which the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. The image of the sun can be found in numerous Catholic buildings, including the Basilica of the Holy Tomb in Israel. We can observe the solar disk almost everywhere, more like a temple to the sun god than a Christian monument. In the Basilica of the Nativity in Bethlehem, we also find as its central theme the sun, stamped on the floor and other adornments scattered throughout this temple. One more time, it's connecting Christ to the sun. 
Check out the pictures in the text. Note, Satan has always wanted to be like God, and that's why he was banished. He wants to be worshipped anyway, so he makes people bow down to images and statues. Unfortunately, the people think they are worshipping God when in fact, behind all this it's only Satan. There are only two sides, the good and the evil. Other gods do not exist, only one living true God. The devil will always pretend to be good to fool all the people and take with him as many people as he can. Constantine equally favored both religions. As a high priest, he took care of pagan worship and protected its rights. He used the pagan title of the Pontifex Maximus until his death. Also, he had not been baptized and did not participate in any liturgical act, such as Mass or the Eucharist. Only when he was almost dying that he decided to be baptized, he prolonged as much as he could to be forgiven of all his sins. Even he knew that baptism was for the remission of sins in adulthood and that children are not baptized because they have no sins. After he died in AD 337, he was buried in the Church of the Apostles and was considered Saint Constantine by the Catholic Church, called Isopostoles in Latin, which means that he was equal to the Apostles of Jesus. His sons were educated in Christianity, but paganism still had much political strength. It was only in AD 380 that Emperor Theodosius made the Catholic religion official throughout the Roman Empire. AD 395 divided the empire into two, the Roman Empire and the Byzantine Empire. Jerusalem was between Persians and Romans until it returned to the hand of the Romans once again, but in AD 638, the Orthodox Caliphate, which was the Islamic Arab Empire founded in AD 632 after Muhammad's death. They conquered Jerusalem and all Palestine land from Judea to Syria. In AD 685, the Islamic Mosque was built in the same place where the Temple of the Lord was, as we saw in Daniel's prophecy. It's the Dome of the Rock. In 1099, Jerusalem was conquered by the Crusaders, who massacred most of the Muslim inhabitants. The Crusades were a series of religious wars initiated, supported, and sometimes directed by the Catholic Church in the medieval period. They intended to recover Jerusalem and its surrounding area from Islamic rule. In 1291 the final defeat of the Crusaders and restoration of Muslim control, in 1516, was the beginning of Ottoman control, Turkish Empire, in 1918, the defeat of the Ottomans and the beginning of British rule. After the end of World War I, the British civil administration in Palestine operated from 1920 to 1948. In 1922 the Jews gained their rights to return to their land, as stated in Daniel's prophecy. However, the Arabs thought they owned that land, in fact, they still think they own the Holy Land, and that's why Israel's conflicts with Palestine never end and they started a revolt and later a civil war that ended in 1948, and the following year the division between Jordan, Palestine, and Israel by the United Nations was made. During World War II in 1941, Jews suffered at the hands of the Nazis. Most of them lived scattered throughout Europe after they were banished from their lands. Adolf Hitler promoted mass murders to promote ethnic cleansing of the 9 million Jews residing in Europe before the Holocaust, 6 million were killed, including women and children, among the main non-Jewish victims of genocide were gypsies, Poles, communists, homosexuals, Soviet prisoners of war, Jehovah's Witnesses and the physically and mentally disabled people. All this occurred simply because of hatred and racism, better known as anti-Semitism which is hostility or discrimination against Jews. 
1967, the second part of Daniel's prophecy, with the Six-Day War involving Syria, Egypt, Jordan, and Iraq supported by Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Algeria, and Sudan, was fulfilled. God gave the people of Israel victory by forcing everyone to recognize Israel as a country. Even not liking it, the Arabs had to recognize it, but they still did not accept the decision. After this period, there were three more wars in Israel, Yom Kippur in 1973, and two wars against Lebanon in 1982 and 2006. On December 6, 2017, U.S. President Donald Trump recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. During its long history of over 5,000 years, Jerusalem has been destroyed at least twice, besieged 23 times, attacked 52 times, and captured and recaptured 44 more times.